it seemed like everybody just hated the fact that women were boxing and it was all my fault. Jane Couch is a revolutionary. In the 1990s, she battled institutionalised sexism for the right to box professionally. And in doing so, she inspired a generation of female fighters, including Natasha Jonas, herself a trailblazer, the first British woman to box at the Olympics. People say, oh, you know, the Olympics was great because girls could see it and that, that you, you for us was that. We could see you doing it and see you achieving and see you thinking, we think, yeah, we can, we can do what Jane does. You changed attitudes and, and you raised big issues and sometimes the hardest conversations to have are the, are the most important and there's taboo subjects and, and no one ever wants to talk about them, but, you know, you just did. I'm Owen Blackhurst and for Eurosport, this is Raw. Stories of bravery, determination and talent... Women's professional boxing has never been in better shape than it is today. Standalone pay-per-view shows, fighters as household names, back-page news. But it's been a long, old road. It, it was so hard, it was so hard, and I'm just adamant that people like Tash and younger than the next one's coming after Tash just shouldn't have to go through it. And if there's anything I could do to stop it, then I will. <laughs> Because of people like Jane and Natasha, women's boxing is also thriving below the paid ranks. In April 2020, Sport England revealed that there are 420,000 females regularly lacing up the gloves. Back in 1995, that number was officially zero. In a year that Lennox Lewis, Chris Eubank and Nigel Benn earned a lot of money fighting in front of huge crowds, female boxing in the UK was banned, not allowed to train, not allowed into gyms, not allowed to fight. That was until Jane Couch took on the establishment and won. Over the years, Jane and Tasha have become friends. They love being in each other's company, and the mutual respect is apparent. We'll let them introduce each other. You're first, anyway. This is Natasha Jonas. Uh, you'll probably know her as an outstanding amateur, but I know her as a brilliant, brilliant ambassador for women. The way she presents herself, the way she involves herself in the sport. And believe me, that girl is going to get world title belts. Belts, not one belt, I mean belts around her way soon. She's a top girl, great lass, and a brilliant boxer, so watch out for her, she's coming. One take wonder. This is Jane Couch. She is the pioneer for women's boxing in, the, in Great Britain and the UK. She was the first female to take on the British Boxing Board of Control and apply for a licence, got it, and she's been a champion ever since and champion in the way for young females like myself to come through. Jane Couch was born in 1968 in Fleetwood, a fishing town in the northwest of England struggling to deal with a huge decline in the industry. You can imagine in the 70s, the fishing industry was very, very tough and and the kids that were brought up there was also very tough because you had to be. It was very, very close. Every, like, you could leave your front door open. The whole street knew each other. God, I grew up in Toxteth in the 80s, just after the Toxteth riots. I come from a massive family. My mum was a young mum. 
And yeah, we wasn't allowed to just sit around the house. We had to go out and, and play because there were so many of us living in my nans. I had two older boy cousins and everywhere they went, I had to go. And you just kind of fall into the things that boys do, you know, play footy, boxing. We used to mould tissue to our mouth and put it in the freezer <laughs> and then Pretty put it in our mouths and absolutely battered each other. So, And I was greedy kids as well, so, you know, being the youngest little girl... I was always fighting for the biggest dinner, so boxing's probably naturally something that I went into. When you're young, you've always got dreams and aspirations that you want to do something, but you've got to remember that where we grew up, and there wasn't a lot of food, you know, you was really below the poverty line. So you used to have to dream that, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do, because you've got to get out of that situation that you're in. I always had this feeling that I would do something. So I just used to join in and fight them. And I used to win most of them anyway. I just knew that the fishing life wasn't for me, that I wasn't going to be a fisherman's wife or wasn't just going to end up in a small town and just fit into the community. I knew I was going to do something, but I didn't think it, what, it, what happened. I didn't think that was going to happen. That energy to make something happen spilled over. And school wasn't a happy place for Jane. When she was there, she got into a lot of fights and was expelled in her teens. The next few years were tough as she searched for an outlet. Age 21, after continually breaking the terms of a supervision order, Jane served six weeks of a three-month sentence at Drake Hall Prison in Stoke-on-Trent. When she got out, a night-watching TV changed everything. I went back to Fleetwood and that's when... My life changed. <laughs> I just saw the documentary about women boxing in America and I thought, wow, I'm going to have a go at that. My life was going to be wasted otherwise. I would have just ended up, I don't know, in a, probably in a dead-end job or jail or whatever, I don't know. So I thought, well, I'll go and have a go at that. So I went to the local boxing club and it was like, fuck, you can't come in here. I said, why not? I said, I seen it on telly last night. Women were doing it in America. I seen it on Channel 4 and they went, oh, Jane, no, you you can't. It's not allowed in this country. I was like, oh, come on. So I went to my dad and I said to my dad, Frank's running the boxing gym, he won't let me in. And he went, why not? I said, because they said it's only boys. So my dad went down to the pub that night and Sim, Sim Frank and said, listen, just let her in, she'll probably get fed up of it anyway. Jane could have got fed up. She was having to train in secret. But rather than that, she threw herself into boxing. I don't know about you, Tash, but the first time like I went in a boxing gym, I just absolutely... It just took over my life. That like nothing else mattered. And you've got to remember, at that time, I was smoking, I was drinking, I was out with my mates partying... As soon as I went there, that it just everything just stopped. Like slowed down at first, then just stopped, and my whole everything, the, my whole world just became about boxing. And I knew nothing about it. I was every boxing book, every video, every videos <laughs> in them days. Wasn't it? You had to go and get a video <laughs> VHS. From. Did you feel the same way? Because like I've never been that passionate about anything in my life. It wasn't until I read your book that I realised how similar our stories were. Um, the same, I was 21 and the, the first day that I went in like obviously I, I was from a, the Rotunda, that's quite a prestigious club, mm-hmm. they'd never had to have females before, 
So I, it was this whole same, like, you know, football situation. Oh, God. Because, you know, uh, when you get in a session, yeah, when yeah. you get in a session, you, you do tech work and then you go and bags, whatever, do do whatever later. But I thought, he was like, everyone partnered up and thought, oh, here we go, it's going to be like 40, last one. I'm going to be <laughs> last, one. Left, last one, last one there yeah. looking for a partner. And, and Liam Smith went, oh, yeah, Tash, I'll be your partner. After that, it was, um, there was no issue. Like, everyone would be like, come here, Darby Tash's partner. Liam Smith went on to become a British, Commonwealth and world champion. And his kindness changed everything for Tash. For Jane, it was different. Blokes in the gym laughed at her and they called her names. I thought it was a bit of a freak because I wanted to box. I used to hide under the stairs in a punch bag because I was embarrassed that I wanted to do that and no other girls did. Jane did have her coach, Frank Smallbone. He carried on backing her despite the ABA threatening to take away his licence. And he gave Jane the keys to the gym so she could spar when it was closed. But Jane wanted to fight. And she was given the number of a female promoter. So I rang her up and I went, I want to fight. And she said, oh, we've got a show on a Thai boxing show in Wigan. I went, right. She said, uh, there's, a, there's a girl there, you're wet. She said, what weight are you? I said, uh, I don't know, I was about 10 stone or something. And I said, yo, you can box it. She's, she's a policewoman, right? OK. The fighter's name was Kalpna Shah, and the bout was arranged for October the 30th, 1994. So I trained for six or eight weeks with the lads, got a few coaches up from Fleetwood to Wigan. We come up the motorway and got to this nightclub, and take that was just coming off. They weren't that famous, and that was going on. And he was like, oh, there's boxing on here tonight. I was like, yeah, I'm boxing. So we went in, and it was a tie boxing show. They slipped my boxing fight in, in the middle. There was no medical or anything. You turned up, doctor was there. How do you feel? Yeah, fine, come on, then you can fight. And So it was a little bit different, and they had, like, 200 cod heads just screaming for me to batter this policewoman. It was probably a little bit different to Tashi's introduction because I had to I had no choice but to fight unlicensed or wouldn't be allowed to fight In front of a raucous crowd Jane knocked Kalpner out in the second round but women's boxing remained illegal That night in Wigan was monumental for another reason It was the first time that Jane met Tex Woodward Tex had a farm with a gym on it in Bristol and invited her to move and live there After three quick-fire victories in the next eight months, Jane moved to the farm. I moved to Bristol then because I had to get a boxing border control manager and trainer because Frank wasn't allowed to train me. So when I got there, and then I made friends with all the fighters and that, but it wasn't the same as being at home in Fleetwood with your mates and that. But I had no choice. In May 1996, with just those four wins to her name, Jane flew to Denmark for a world title bout against Sandra Geiger, a French fighter with 29 wins and 29 knockouts on her record. Looking back, Jane thinks she shouldn't have been allowed to take part. But at the time, nothing was going to stop her. The press were everywhere, but this wasn't a level playing field. At the hotel, food vouchers were given out, but only to the male fighters. And although female boxing was legal in Denmark... And it being a televised undercard, parts of the crowd were still laughing. I didn't care because all I wanted to do that night was win the world title. She was a good fighter, a good boxer, but she was a karate expert. That was her, that was her field. And it was the hardest fight 
I have ever had for the world title. Oh my God, she was nails. And she, in the boxing position, because I didn't even know karate, she, she'd turn a certain way and you'd, so you had to reset yourself the whole yeah, time. Yeah. And it was, it, honest to God, hard as nails. Jacques Chirac, the French president, was in the crowd, watching a woman who wasn't even allowed to fight in her own country. After 10 brutal rounds, with a fractured eye socket, a broken jaw and a missing tooth, Jane Couch won on points and was crowned world welterweight champion. She went back to London expecting to be mobbed. I thought in my head that once I won that world title, that'd be it, I'd change, I'll change things just by winning the world title. And it was only when we flew back into England that I realised that nobody cared, that it didn't matter, that I'd just gone life and death for 10 rounds with a karate expert, that, you know, it was just, just a weird feeling because, like, only somebody who's been in a world title fight in the eighth round and you can't fucking breathe and your <laughs> limbs are just falling off and you've got blood pissing everywhere. And it was upsetting in a way, but it wasn't in another way because you'd never had the support. You'd never had the backing, not even from your own friends and family. They're like, why do you all box? What do you all box for? What's wrong with you? All that I wanted to do was be world champion. And if you want it bad enough, you, you'll get it. Tant it bad enough, you can tat it. Writing notes. <laughs> i tell you what I used to do, Tash, so when, because I was obsessed with, I had to win in Denmark. If I hadn't won in Denmark, all this would have been over. So I'd say I'd be in the morning, like, brushing my teeth and when I'm doing my hair, I used to have a, a sign on the, on the mirror, like, I will be world champion. And I'd go out the door and I'd have a sign on the door, I will be world champion. Women are muscling in on another male bastion and, as always, some men aren't happy about it. I don't really think there's enough women out there who want, you know, to end up with a flat nose or a cut eye or a wake up in the morning next to their husband or their boyfriend or their children and tell them, that, oh, well, I've just been bashed up in the ring. Even in the face of nonsense like that everywhere she went, Jane dedicated herself to the sport and she continued to improve. In 1997, she retained her title in New Orleans, but she still couldn't fight in the UK. And then... After giving an interview in which she talked about equal pay, she was contacted by a lawyer. A lawyer from London called Sarah Leslie had seen the interview. I was like current world champion. And um, she, she came to the farm and she said, well, why can't you box in England? And I said, because, because it's not allowed. You know what's mad about your um, you taking them to, to court is that I was playing football at the time. And I remember, like, don't know whether it was on Granada Report or whether it was in the paper, but I remember reading it and thinking, go ahead, girl, Basta. You know, I couldn't Aww. believe that you'd done it. And I, and, and I didn't realise then, all them years later, it would affect me. Oh, no, how brilliant. And I'm your number one fan now, Taff. <laughs> Jane had another go applying to get a licence. But again, the British Board of Boxing Control refused. So she took them to court. All she wanted to do was fight for a living and get paid for it. The board solicitor claimed that many women suffer from premenstrual tension, which makes them more emotional and accident-prone. They are too fragile to box and they bruise easily. With solicitor Sarah and barrister Dina Rose by Jane's side, they fought a long and hard case. The coverage was horrendous, 
One journalist wrote that they looked like three lesbians. They didn't go straight away on sex discrimination. They went on restriction of trade. And that's how we got it, the funding from Equal Opportunities. So even though it was sex discrimination, they was denying me a living. So I knew none of this. The original decision to not allow Jane to box was overturned by Tribunal in March 1998. And she was awarded £15,000 in compensation. Which is pittance when you consider she'd been fighting for free because of an archaic system. But it was a landmark decision that has paved the way for hundreds of thousands of female fighters. Jane, Sarah and Dina had taken on the patriarchy and won. Jane was free to earn a living. Yet as her profile grew, so did the amount of scrutiny she faced. Here's just one example. Couch was born to be aggressive. You can tell it in her eyes. Do you find the people like walk on the other side of the street to you? No, I'm when a nice see person. You, you're not a nice person. I, I know. know. You're not. I'm a nice person until I get the gloves, then it's different. I know. You can't help yourself, can you? Like, even though I've, See, look, <laughs> even though I've asked you not to hit me, you're going to do it, aren't you? Not help it. You've got one of them faces. I want a punch. Oh, wow, that's charming. <laughs> that is charming, that is. All I wanted to do was box. It wasn't about anybody else. and or I just wanted to box for me. It was... Didn't even think any other women would want a box. That was in my head. I didn't want to write a book, I didn't want to do a film, I didn't want to do interviews. I just wanted to train and just wanted to fight. But as time went on, like I said, it became that big. As in, it was like, they did a poll on Richard and Judy and they went, like, should this woman be allowed to box, yes or no? But I didn't realise that a lot of these TV programmes and that were taking the piss because, like, I'm not that well-educated. I didn't do media training or anything like that. And the way they'd introduce you, they'd introduce you, you'd have to come in in your boxing gear. And I thought, well, if that was a male boxer, a male boxer wouldn't come in in his boxing gear. The thing about Dana is she'll always downplay herself anyway. But you're always saying us. Boxing in general is, like, a very small circle. But mm. women, it, it's even smaller because... We are a collective, we are an us. You always say it's never about just like you or how you think it's always with you about us. That's just Jane, you know, she's <laughs> she's been a great mentor, she's been a pioneer. So a door's always open and, and always. many times I've, I've knocked on it. You know, for me personally, in my journey, like without you, there is no us, there is no story. There's no, there's no rest of the story. Cause we need if, each if, other. We need each other. We need to support each other because that's what it's all about. Exactly. And one of the, the biggest thing for me watching Jane was that I seen, I had, she was visible. She was someone I could see and, and someone I admire to be like because, you know, it is easy to sit back and, and kind of hide in the shadows or whatever and just let, let things happen because they always have. But, you know, it takes people like yourself and they're, they're the conversations that need to be had. But no one wanted to do that. And you were the first person I know, especially as a female, that said, right, it wasn't right. And let's have them conversations. And, and nobody else was prepared to do that. And no one wanted to be the first to do that because they didn't want to upset the apple cart. I know. It was hard, it was hard. I just wish I'd have had a bit more training and understanding of interviews and a bit more of understanding of, of how to act but I was just young and crazy and but I think that 
for me, that comes across as genuine because a lot of boxers can relate to to who you are and your story because it's it's very very similar to their own. For me, it you were real. I could relate to you because you were one of us. Literally, you were one of me. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just embarrassed when I watch some of it. But what I've learned now is just tell people that why I was embarrassed and I should have maybe said something sooner but if I had said something sooner then you know I wouldn't we wouldn't be sat here now the would the case probably wouldn't have gone ahead and I sort of just don't know went along with it and and I don't do that I do normally what I want to do and that was the first time in my life where I just had to bite the bullet and 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 I'll never I'll never forgive myself for that. I just feel embarrassed that... I just didn't... I don't know. I don't know why. I don't like, why did I carry on? Why did I keep going? And I did do it, and and I just wish I'd never have done it. I think you're being a little bit harsh, if I'm honest, to yourself. <laughs> you know, you didn't have that access to, you know, social media. I mean, it, it's easier now, but the only way you could do that is to, for people to even know who you was is to go on them big pro- programs that everybody watch because it, it, we are in a different like world now. Jane carried on boxing professionally until 2008. She had 39 fights, won five world titles, and changed global perceptions. A year after retiring, Jane was awarded an MBE for her services to the sport, and in 2016 was inducted into the Women's International Boxing Hall of Fame. In 2012, females were allowed to box the Olympics for the first time. And in London that summer, Tasha became the first to represent Great Britain. She was building her own legacy off the back of Jane's. If someone would have told me after my first fight in in the Adelphi that, you know, I'd made a career out of it, I'd, you know, go to the Olympics, I'd have bit your hand off. But it's only it's only when you stop or you yeah. take a minute to appreciate the journey of where you've come from to how that where you are. But I, the life of an athlete doesn't allow you to do that very often. It was only when I st- retired from amateur boxing that I actually thought, you know what, that was boss. What we did there. You know, that 2012 Olympics was boss. You know, qualifying yeah. was amazing. Everyone's like, oh, enjoy it. go out and enjoy it. And you think, no, I don't I want to go How out and join it. I want to go out and win. <laughs> Natasha and two other England team members laid on the demonstration at a West London school. Over the next 12 months, a dozen new community boxing hubs are set to be built in the capital. I took boxing just recently because I thought it was, like, really good for my... You'll be in the best shape of your life, you know, you you get that sort of stress relief as well. I've had a few skills bouts. I enjoyed it, I liked moving around the ring, hitting people, but I I would like to go to Olympics. Straight after the Olympics, I helped in a local club just around the corner and straight after the Olympics, there was all girls. There was no boys and there was a boy coming in. I'm not staying here, it was all girls. <laughs> and the little boy ran off. <laughs> I was the, the only girl in the rotunda up until about 2011. 
and then and now it's full. Yeah, it's like we've, I think we've got two national champions. There's at least four or five girls in the gym. Well, you've done that. You've done that. You you represented the country and you represented it well, and you you sport well. You came across as just not many people say scousers speak well. But. <laughs> Tasha's hard-fought quarter-final loss against Katie Taylor at the Olympics in front of a huge TV audience was an eye-opener for many. Such was the quality on show. She retired in 2015, but reversed that decision and turned pro in 2017. Rather than focus on the return of a trailblazing athlete, coverage focused on the fact she had a child. It was like, oh, Tasha's turning pro and she's a mum. And that was the yeah. headline. Oh my God, a mum's oh. turning professional. And I was like, Tom Stalker turned pro last year. No one said anything yeah. in him. Anthony no Josh one said all about that, yeah. yeah. No one said, he's a dad. I was like, why is it such a big issue that, that like, or why, why was that even the selling point that I was the mum? Like, you know what I mean? Despite the huge progress that women's boxing has made through the torch passed down from Jane to Natasha and onto the new generation, the institutional sexism that women have to face in the most traditionally male of sports remains. It might be more subtle, a disguised liver shot rather than a straight right, but it's still there and it still hurts. Jane is aware of her impact and the inspiration she provided, but it took a lot from her. And we wondered if there was one moment that made it all worthwhile. Her response, perhaps not the closure you're looking for, but instead a reminder of the cost of chasing your dreams in the middle of a nightmare. When we won the court case, it was it was brilliant. It was it was brilliant, but I, don't, I can't ever say when I won the world title. Brilliant. Don't think I've ever felt like that again. That feeling when you win the world title is, and it's you'll never get that feeling in life. And and if you're not and you're chasing that eye, you're gonna you're gonna end up like knackered a few years down down the road. <laughs> You've just got to do what... Believe me, Tash, when, like, it was my my life, my dream. I didn't want to think of... I've lost... I, I miss so many family things and never spent any time with them just for the boxing. And and if they say, oh, would you do it all again? And I'd be like, no, I, would, I wouldn't. I know I did a lot and I've seen a lot of things, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't do it all again, would I? Would I fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Raw. Stories of bravery, determination and talent is an original Eurosport series produced by Mundial Studio. The narrator and story editor is me, Owen Blackhurst, the writer and producer is James Bird, and the executive producers are Tyo Papula and Seb White. The assistant producer is Chris Byfield. For Eurosport, the commissioning editor is Mark Asian, and the executive producer is Ian Brackley. Archive from Sky Sports, an original music composed by Harry Harris. 